Welcome to our gathering today. You know, no matter how many times I watch that video, I still get choked up, especially the scene uh, where the dad is with his son in a cap and a gown, because that is me this week. This week, Shari and I graduated our oldest son from high school. And so I am all in dad mode today. Uh, in our first gathering today, I cried like a middle schooler who had just been broken up with before the dance. Um, I've been crying all week. I'm doing all of my crying before uh, Jacob moves off to college. I think Shari is gonna cry whenever he moves away. So I'm in full dad mode today. I'm wearing a shirt that my wife gave me for Father's Day. I'm wearing some cool shoes that my kids gave me for Father's Day. And I'm honored to preach this Father's Day message to our church. So I wanna say to all the dads, Happy Father's Day. Can you just turn to a dad near you and tell them Happy Father's Day, especially if it's your dad? Or if you're married to a man and he's a dad, tell him Happy Father's Day. Uh, one of the greatest joys of my life is to be a dad to Jacob and Jojo. And I just wanna say from the very beginning, Father's Day for me is a day of great joy. I posted a picture this morning on social media of my dad, uh, my dad who raised me. And those of you that know my story, I was adopted uh, when I was just a couple of weeks old. And my father who raised me, died nine years ago. So as much as I love Father's Day, like many of you, it's also a difficult day because nine years ago today on Father's Day, I preached my father's funeral. We celebrated his life, but it was also a very tough day for me. And even as I celebrate all the dads in the world, I know that for many of you, it's been a hard year. Many of you have lost your dad this year. My wife, who is here with me in this gathering, lost her father this year. He passed away. So I just want to let you know that there is no such thing as a perfect father. You don't have to be a perfect dad. The good news for us is we don't have to be perfect because our heavenly father is perfect. We don't have to get all of it right. When we get it wrong, we know that our heavenly father gave us Jesus. He got it right on our behalf. I'm not a perfect dad, but I am a dad who looks to my heavenly father as an example of love. And hey, if you're a dad and you've had a tough year this year, I've got a friend in Charleston who has had a really tough year. He's a dad and I wanted to tell you about him. You may have heard, if you, if you know this guy, he, he's a, he builds yachts, like seriously. He is a yacht builder. And when COVID happened, he had to move his entire yacht building business into his house. Now let that sink in. He had to build yachts in his house. And so I called him this week just to check on him. I said, hey, I just wanna see how you're doing. I know you've had a tough year. You had to move your boat building business into your house. He goes, yeah, man, it's been a tough year, but the sales have been through the roof. Dad jokes on Father's Day. Come on, somebody. Come on. What would Father's Day be without a dad joke? I think some of y'all need to repent for your lack of humor because that was funny. I don't care who you are. All right, we're in Nehemiah chapter three today. And in the sovereignty of God, the way this lined up in our City of God series is I get to preach on Father's Day a message that's for everyone, specifically from Nehemiah chapter three in our City of God series about serving side by side. Now I'm just gonna go ahead and dive in here. We've been uh, in the year of the Bible here at New Spring and tens of thousands of us are reading the Bible together every day. And we have in this series been honoring the word of God by standing to our feet as we read it out loud. So I'm gonna invite everybody at every campus to stand up on your feet for just a moment. And instead of me reading 
the entire passage of scripture. I'm just gonna read the first few verses and the last few verses. There are some themes that you'll see pop off the page at you. And then I'm gonna ask you to stay standing and we're gonna do something really special. Let me read Nehemiah chapter three, beginning in verse one. And uh, the scripture will be up on the screens unless you have a copy of your own Bible that you wanna read along with. And you're gonna notice some things begin to become clear. Chapter three, verse one. It says, the high priest Eliashib and his fellow priests began rebuilding the sheep gate. They dedicated it and installed its doors. After building the wall to the Tower of the Hundred and the Tower of Hananel, they dedicated it. The men of Jericho built next to Eliashib and next to them, Zakur, son of Emri, built. The sons of Hanasseh built the fish gate. They built it with beams and installed its doors, bolts, and bars. Next to them, Merimoth, son of Uriah, son of Hakaz, made repairs. Beside them, Meshulam, son of Berechiah, the son of Mehezabel, made repairs. Next to them, Zadok, son of Banna, made repairs. Beside them, the Tekoites made repairs. But the nobles did not lift a finger to help their supervisors. Now we fast forward to verse 28. Each of the priests made repairs above the horse gate, each opposite his own house. After them, Zadok, son of Amir, made repairs opposite his house. And beside him, Shaniah, son of Shechaniah, the guard of the east gate, made repairs. Next to him, Hananiah, the son of Shalamiah, and Hanun, the sixth son of Zalaph, made repairs to another section. After them, Meshulam, son of Berechiah, made repairs opposite his room. Next to him, Malchijah, one of the goldsmiths, made repairs to the house of the temple servants and the merchants opposite to the inspection gate and as far as the upstairs room on the corner. The goldsmiths and the merchants made repairs between the upstairs room on the corner and the sheep gate. A couple of things should jump off the page here in what could look like an obscure passage. First of all, English speakers like us have a hard time with ancient Hebrew names. Can you give me a hand for the effort I made to pronounce those names? I went to public school and I pulled that off. The second thing I want you to see from this, stay standing, is how many times the phrase or a version of the phrase beside him, next to him, or after him is used. Now stay standing. I'm not gonna read the whole chapter to you, but I want you to look on the screens. We're gonna show you all of Nehemiah chapter three. And you're gonna be drawn to how many names are mentioned, dozens of names, but you're also gonna be drawn to how many times we have highlighted in black text the phrase next to, next to them, beside them. There are 32 verses in Nehemiah chapter three. Let this sink in. And 30 times in 32 verses, a phrase, a version of, side by side, next to, beside him, next to them is used. Let that sink in on you. Just the visual of the historical marker that every one of these men and women receive when they're mentioned by name, 
hard names to pronounce, people we've never met, but like a historical marker on the side of the road that you drive past, it marks a time, it marks a date, it marks a place, and it names people who did a significant thing. Nehemiah chapter three stands as a historical marker to not only honor these men and women who worked side by side, but to make a point that no one did it alone. Nobody did it by themselves. They had to do it beside people, after people, arm in arm with people, side by side serving. That's how we build the kingdom of God. That's how the city of God is built. That's how they rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem that provided safety and security for the people in the city after over a hundred years of being broken down. They didn't make excuses, they got to work and they did it together. You can have a seat, but I'm just getting warmed up. Are y'all ready? I wanna show you some things from this text of scripture that are clear to me, and as one of your pastors, I hope to make it clear to you. First of all, when you see ruins, it's time to rally and rebuild. Human nature wants to run away from ruin. Human nature wants to blame other people when things are in ruins. Human nature wants to point fingers and have studies about it and form committees about it. But the people of God don't run away from ruin. We run to it and we rally together and we get our work boots on and we roll up our sleeves and we put on our gloves and we get a protein bar and a banana and some water or some Gatorade and we get dirty, we work, we rebuild. And that's where we are as a country right now. I'm gonna speak prophetically to you. This isn't news to anybody. You're an American. You know what we've been through the last 18 months. We tiptoe around it, but let's just call it what it is. We're a divided country on so many fronts. We have had so many things we couldn't control happen to us recently. And I'm telling you right now, New Spring Church is driving a stake in the ground. I feel like we should be Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings. You shall not pass. We're gonna drive a stake in the ground and we're just saying it out loud. We're not gonna complain about how bad things are. We're gonna get to work and make them better. And you can join us and you can get the blessing because we are the people of God. It is our joy to rebuild. Let me show you verse one, chapter three, verse one. We've already read it. Put it on the screens again. The high priest Eliashib and his fellow priests began rebuilding the sheep gate. Somebody had to go first. Somebody had to take the initiative. Somebody had to quit being offended. Somebody had to quit wearing their heart on their sleeve and being so sensitive. Somebody had to say, I'm tired of living in a city that is open and susceptible to the attacks of the enemy. I'm gonna do something about it. And you know who went first? The priest. The leader went first. Aren't you glad you're a part of a church where your leaders don't tell you what to do? We get in there and do it with you. That's what we're about. I'm not just gonna point out all the things that are wrong. I wanna be, I'm, am I really preaching loud? I kind of feel, feel passionate right now. Are y'all okay with this? I'm a, I don't know, it looks like I'm getting ready to do a jazz routine. I don't know what I'm about to do right now. 
I wanna see our church rally and rebuild our communities. I wanna see the church of Jesus Christ be the kind of people who say, I may disagree with you about a virus, I may disagree with you about politics, I may disagree with you about college football or Ford versus Chevy or tea versus coffee. Coffee's better, God told me. But whatever it is, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna unite around what we agree on. We agree about Jesus, the kingdom of God, the gospel and the Bible, so we're going to rebuild. There's a lot of ruins around us right now. Let's get busy making this world better. Let's do that. I love the fact that Eliashib is named. Somebody had to go first and it was the priest. That's the kind of leadership you can follow right there. Oh, now this also points me to, to this fact. Don't miss this. You can't build a city by yourself. This is a big job. This is a tall task in the book of Nehemiah. I mean, we're dedicating a long time to preaching exegetically through a book of the Bible. And this is no small thing. This is humongous and nobody could do it by themselves. That's why we see in verse 12, beside him, look at this, beside him, Shalom, son of Halohesh, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem made repairs him and his daughters. I like that. Now, I'm gonna say something to y'all right now. God has not blessed me with daughters, but he's gonna make up for it with granddaughters. I'm gonna get a dozen of them. Shari and I both prayed for a daughter. I prayed for two boys first, and that's where we stopped. But we talk about this all the time. Jacob's 18, JoJo's 15. We have forbidden them in Jesus' name to get married right now because, I mean, it's not like 1906. But what we have told them is, in Jesus' name, they're going to make some granddaughters, and those granddaughters will be the joy of our life. And we're going to spoil them, and we're not going to apologize for it, and we're not going to repent of it because it's not a sin for our grandpa to spoil his granddaughters. I'm not even a grandfather yet, and I'm already dreaming about it. I love the fact that he took his daughters to work with him. Hey, look, I'm about 50% Southern Baptist, 45% Pentecostal, and 5% Presbyterian sprinkled on for flavor. So let me tell you what, what I know about church. And I know something about church. Women do most of the work anyway. And I love the fact that this man took his daughters to work with him. It was important enough for the writer of Nehemiah to record it. This is take your kids to work day. This is job shadowing. You know what was cool about this story? Is this goes to show that it's not just, women, it's not just men who do ministry, women are called to ministry too. It's not just men that can do hard work in the kingdom of God. Women do hard work too. Dads, that doesn't let you off the hook, but that tells you that you can do ministry side by side with your wife and your daughters and your sons. And it's more fun when you do it with people that you love. It's just more fun that way. My wife and I have been in ministry together for 22 years, traveled the world together, preached together, wrote books together. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Now guess what I'm getting to do? I'm building the city of God, but I'm not building it by myself. My kids are helping me build it. A week from today, my son Jacob, who's 18, who's here today, is gonna be traveling with me to Virginia. And in Northern Virginia, a week from today, we're gonna be preaching together at a church in Stafford, Virginia, that I've been preaching at for 19 years. And my son is gonna get to join me and we're gonna get to talk about how success is succession, and I'm gonna to get to preach a sermon together with my son. I know I can't do it by myself, so I'm gonna do it with the people I love, starting with my own family. Dads, you don't have to be perfect, you just have to be present. 
There's no perfect father. You don't have to be perfect, but be present with your kids. I love the fact that this man was close enough with his daughters that when it came time to work, he said, come on girls, let's go. And they worked together. Can I tell you how we do this here at New Spring? Because we've got, some, we've got a lot of single moms in our church. And Father's Day is probably hard for you if you're a single mom because you're working two, three, maybe four full-time jobs because raising a kid is one full-time job. You got three kids, you got three full-time jobs. You know this. So moms, if you're kind of feeling that gap in your life because there's no father in the picture, we're doing our best to come alongside you and build arm in arm side by side. And here's some of the ways that we do that. We do it through groups. If you're not involved in a group, you can find spiritual fathering voices for your kids in groups. We have groups that my family's a part of. My wife leads a women's Bible study. We have a group that meets in our home and other homes. This is one of the ways that we try to come alongside and help build the city of God. In our Fuse ministry right now, I mean, we're getting ready for the weekend. It's coming up next month. My students, both of my kids are in Fuse. They came up through Fuse. They've got group leaders. Both of my boys have small group leaders in infused that have helped disciple our kids. Now, Shari and I take the discipleship of our own children personally. It's my responsibility to raise my kids, but the church comes alongside to help us. One of the reasons why my boys are walking with Jesus right now is because they've had great group leaders. Right now, they've got some guys, Justin Harrison and Cody. Those are just two of the guys that are their group leaders. They call them, they talk to them, they read the Bible together, they pray together. I'm their biological father, but my boys are in a church where there are other voices of spiritual fathers pouring into them. We want to provide that for every family and especially moms who might be raising children without a father in the picture. You can't build a city by yourself. Good news is you don't have to. This also um, makes my heart beat a little faster and it makes my soul stir a little deeper when I think about the legacy we're building right now for generations to come. Because I'm gonna say this, you've probably heard Brad or Dan or somebody else say this from this stage. We don't care one bit about building the name of New Spring Church. We care a lot about making the name of Jesus Christ famous. We want Jesus to be lifted up, we want the kingdom of God to grow and we want to see the church activated to build the city of God together. And where do you start? Here's where you start. You work on the wall where you live. We see that right here in chapter three. You work on the wall where you live. Look at Nehemiah chapter three, verse 10. I'm gonna show you this. It's mentioned over and over in this passage. After them, Jediah, son of Haramath made repairs, where? Across from his house. He started in his own front yard. This is something we can take home with us, especially for the dads. Dads, Jesus Christ is primary in your life, but your family must be your priority. I love the fact that this man, Jediah started working on the wall that he could see out of his front porch. 
Like he's sitting at the breakfast table and he's reading the Shema from the Old Testament and he's unrolling the scroll, maybe reading from the prophet Isaiah. And through the window of his house in Jerusalem, directly across from him is the wall that protects them from the Ammonites and from all of their enemies and the Moabites and the attacks that come at them. And he decides, I'm not gonna tell other people how to fix their problems. I'm gonna fix the one I can see. That's what he did. We can't fix every problem in the world, but we can get to work right where we are. Right here, right now. So look around your life. What's right in front of you that you can do differently? What's right in front of you that you can make a difference in? What can you change? Dads, can I talk to you for just a second? Lean in for me, dads, I want you to hear this. If you came to the men's conference, you heard this. I had the privilege of being one of the speakers at our New Spring Men's Conference this past winter. And I shared some of this. Let me give you some statistics about the importance and the value of dads, of fathers. 63% of youth suicides happen to children who were raised in fatherless homes. 75% of incarcerated teenagers came from a fatherless home. 75% of clinical Substance abuse cases. That means an addiction to drugs or alcohol that required medical intervention. 75% of all clinical substance abuse cases happen to kids who grew up in a home without a father. If you grow up in a home without a father in America today, you're four times more likely to become an alcoholic or a drug addict. Daughters who had no father at all in their life growing up are seven times more likely to get pregnant before marriage. This this really hurt my heart here. Children who never had a father in their home are four times as likely to live in poverty. And kids that grow up in poverty have an entirely different set of challenges than those that don't grow up in poverty. And this one blew my mind. One out of three children in America... 33% live in a home where there is no biological father. That's statistics. You want real numbers? 24.7 million right now, today in America. So why am I preaching on this? Why am I passionate about this? Why do we care about this? Because we have a, a church motivated and activated to make a difference. And there are families all around us that have no biological father or no spiritual father. And I wanna raise up in this house spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers who can step in and work where they live to make a difference, to rescue these kids by giving them the gospel of Jesus Christ before they fall into one of these statistical categories. That's what we're about as a church. So work on the wall where you live, dad. Come home after work. And when you're home after work, this is me, I'm preaching to myself here. Don't scroll up and down your phone for two or three hours while your kids are sitting across the room. Turn your phone off. Talk to your kids, do things with your kids. Have fun with your wife and your children. Go to their ball games. Turn down the raise because it means you gotta work an extra six hours a week. $6,000 a year is not worth losing that six hours that you need to be spending with your kids. I wanna talk to you boldly and courageously as a dad. This is me taking my pastor hat off for a second. Let me talk to you as a dad. I can't get certain years back, but in the time I've got left, I'm gonna work where I live. And when I mess up, I'm gonna repent and fess up and I'm gonna try better the next time. Okay. 
Now some of y'all are like, well, what can I do? I'm not perfect. Well, listen, listen. We can get discouraged or we can get determined. And the choice is ours. 100% the choice is on me and you. We can look at our world and go, we're so polarized. We're so divided. Politics, masks. There's all kinds of things out there I don't like. Um, news sources, social media. I disagree with this, I'm angry about that. That doesn't describe all of us, but that describes the world that we're living in now. And I've just made up my mind, I'm gonna turn it off. I'm gonna turn down the volume of all the voices that wanna keep me angry and discouraged, and I've made my mind up. I'm standing here right now. Do you realize tens of thousands of people hearing me say this, I am saying this out loud and holding myself accountable in front of my church. I am determined I'm gonna make a difference. I'm not gonna sit around and twiddle my thumbs. I'm not gonna look around to point fingers at everybody else. I'm gonna love the people I'm in front of. I'm gonna minister to my kids. I'm gonna serve my wife. I'm gonna be the best leader I can be, the best pastor I can be, the best evangelist I can be, and I won't be perfect, but my God, I can get discouraged or I can just roll up my sleeves and get to work. It's more fun to work. It's more fun to make a difference. I'm, I'm a, am I gonna have to dance to get you into this? Come on, y'all, you want me to do my jazzy legs again? I'm just not okay with sitting around talking about how bad things are. Things might be bad, but God is good. And we're the hope of the world, we're the church. That's why I invite people to church. It's why I, 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 I say to people, hey, Sunday's coming. I want you to come. I'll sit with you. I believe we've got what the world needs right here. Not just New Spring Church, the church. The church. The big C church. Did you know that because of your faithful giving, New Spring, I want to brag on you. Because of your faithful giving, we're able every single year at New Spring to bless where we live. We get determined to do this. And so five, four or five years ago, we decided no more new debt and we're gonna tie 10% of everything we bring in to local organizations that are not called New Spring Church. We have given away millions and millions of dollars, but we've also activated thousands of our people to serve in our communities. Our communities need your presence, dads. Our communities need your voice, moms. Our communities need every single teenager activated for the glory of God. We want you in Connect class. We want you in Kids Spring. We'd love to have you volunteering here on a Sunday. Trust me, we could use you right now because things are rolling and people are coming back to church in droves. But we also don't want you to just show up on Sunday and think, I did my duty. No, 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 no. Everywhere I go, I take the kingdom of God with me. Everywhere you go, you take the joy of the Lord with you and people should see the joy in us and know that guy's not perfect, but man, he's weird and I kind of like it. Look at this verse, Nehemiah chapter three, verse five. Beside them, the Tekoites made repairs, but the nobles did not lift a finger to help their supervisors. So you've got the men of Tekoa and they're out there working on the wall. It's hot, they're sweating, their backs are sore. They got calluses on their fingers and the noblemen are over here on the side and they're the guys that criticize. They're pointing out all the flaws. You should do that better. You missed a spot, but they didn't lift a finger to help. So I'm telling you, you can get discouraged or you can get determined. Choice is yours. It's more fun if you get determined. It's more fun if you get to work, and it's infinitely more fun if you do it with the people that you love. Because if you ain't having fun, you ain't doing it right. That's one of our core values here at our church, which brings me to my final reflection. It just jumps off the page at me. A common cause forms an unbreakable bond. 
When you work together with the people that you love for something that matters, that common cause forms an unbreakable bond. I love grilling out. We have a pool at our house and we had, I don't know, 20 people over last night for a big graduation party. We have people at our house all the time. I love forming and building community like that, but there's a different kind of community that you build with people when you do something hard side by side with them. Ask any vet, ask any soldier, male or female that served in the military. And they'll tell you, you get, you get in a foxhole with somebody while the bullets are flying and you form an unbreakable bond. Amen. My grandfather was in World War II and he would tell stories like that when we could pry them out of him. Hey, just on a personal level, man, I played high school football back in the 1900s. I went to Hillcrest High School. I grew up in Fountain Inn, South Carolina, F-I till I die. And if you're not from Fountain Inn, you don't know what I'm talking about. But if you are from Fountain Inn, you know we ride or die because that's what we do in F-I, F-I till I die. We're tight. And when I go back to Fountain Inn, I can bump into guys I played high school football with that I haven't seen in decades. And there's an unbreakable bond we formed on August the 1st when it was 102 degrees and we're running 50 yard sprints until we threw up. Just recently, Jojo, my 15 year old, plays football at T.L. Hannah. And uh, they had a game at Hillcrest, my, my school. So I go back to the stadium I played football in for four years in high school and I'm sitting on the visitor's side. That was weird. But at that game, I saw two guys that I played football with back then, 30 years ago. You don't know them, but I know them, Bo Curry and Stan Boroff. And as soon as I saw those guys, we're all three decades older, a little bit heavier, more seasoned, more wise, less hair. But man, we immediately connected. You know why? We formed an unbreakable bond because we did something hard together. God made you to do hard things. Dad, you can do this. You don't have to be a perfect dad, but you can be a good dad. You don't have to do it by yourself. We'll help you. God will help you. The Bible is here for you. This church is here for you. You can do hard things and we can do it side by side and we can form an unbreakable bond that transcends every single disagreement, every single cultural difference, all the divisions. We are the people of God. We have Jesus in common. We have the spirit of God inside of us. We have the love of the father that unites us. We should have an unbreakable bond that will last for eternity. Let me show you this from Nehemiah chapter three, verse 28. Each of the priests made repairs above the horse gate, each opposite his own house. Each of the priests. I started this sermon by reading Nehemiah chapter three, verse one. And in chapter three, verse one, we saw one priest named Eliashib. He went first. And by the end of the chapter, every priest in Jerusalem is working on the wall where they live. It's more fun to do it with the people you love. And that common cause forms an unbreakable bond. So I wanna ask you some questions. This is for dads because it's Father's Day, but this is for moms, this is for single people, this is for married people, this is for few students, this is for rally folks. What areas of my life have broken down that I need to get to work on? Just think about that. I know through the last 18 months, it's been real easy to get into some bad habits. I know I did. Maybe you're watching right now and you're drinking too much and you can't go to bed at night without a beer or three. 
or you go home and you crave a glass of wine just to unwind from the day, maybe that's something that you need to work on by, by being honest. Maybe the anxiety and the fear and the pressure of this past year or losing a loved one or losing a job, maybe that has gotten you to a place where you have become over-dependent on some kind of medication and there's an addiction in your life that nobody's aware of. Or maybe with all that free time you had with access to the internet, you became addicted to clicking on a link or swiping right and now you're seeing things in your, in your eyes that are going down into your soul and you're ashamed of it and I'm telling you, you can change that. Just tell someone, starting with God, God doesn't want you to live in shame. You can change that. You can take authority over that. If that wall has been broken down, you can get to work building that wall again. But don't try it by yourself. Get some help from us or from God, both. Another question for you. What relationships can I begin to rebuild right now? I'm talking about personal relationships. Starting in your own home, like how are you and your wife doing? How are you and your husband co connecting and communicating? How about you and your kids? How about the people in your family that you know and love, maybe even extended family? If you've allowed something to separate that relationship, take the first step. Don't make excuses and don't get discouraged. Get determined. Matter of fact, before you leave this gathering, you can determine, I'm gonna make a phone call today. I'm gonna embrace how awkward it is. I'll be the first to say, I'm sorry. I'll be the first to say, it's not worth it. I love you, I miss you. Can we, can we just talk again? Can we have a meal? Can I buy your lunch? Send a text if you have to. What relationships right now in your life can you begin rebuilding? Maybe a coworker, maybe a friend that's left church and they've just gotten disconnected and you could go after them with the love of Christ and invite them to come back and tell them you'll come with them. There are some relationships we can begin to rebuild and we can do it by the grace of God. And then my final question for your homework and for your reflection today. What is God saying to me and what do I need to do about it? We are not okay getting up here on the stage on a Sunday and preaching a message all across South Carolina that tens of thousands of people will hear and you walking out going, that was a really great sermon. I could care less if this sermon's great. We want you activated. We want our people to change. We wanna see you grow. Yes, we wanna preach excellent sermons that make much of Jesus and teach you how to follow him every day. And so right here, right now, I wanna leave you with this question. What is God saying to me and what do I need to do about it? And I'm gonna tell you how we're gonna wrap up our gathering today. We're gonna to do it by taking communion together. This is a great opportunity to reflect as we see Jesus on the cross dying in our place we realize he did the hard work so that we can come to the communion time and we can ask Jesus, what are you saying to me and what do I need to do about it? Pray with me as we prepare. Lord, would you take this time right now and would you speak deep into our hearts as we reflect on who you are and what you've done in communion. In Jesus' name, amen.